Hello, and Happy New Year. Thanks for checking out another episode. Uh, A few notes before we get started. I apologize right off the get-go. The guest's audio uh, was a little bit lower in this episode. We were trying out some uh, new interview software and recording software. I tried to make the most of it uh, after the fact, but realized that uh, that this is going to come out a little bit lower quality. I apologize. I will work to improve it moving forward. Uh, next, like I said, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Look forward to uh, an exciting year coming up. This episode was recorded previously, so uh, if any, you know, the content is a little dated, I do apologize that. And lastly, um, you know, with the season uh, right around the corner for college, less than a month, and for high school seasons, you know, not that far away. Good luck to everyone. Uh, we have some great guests coming up. Some current college coaches and college players coming on, talking about uh, the upcoming season, what they do in the offseason to get prepared, as well as uh, some really interesting behind-the-scenes uh, you know, insights that you might be interested in uh, getting ready for the college lacrosse season. Also, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, my email is greg at braveheartlacrosseshow.com. You can email me with any questions or guest ideas or topics that you want discussed on the podcast. Um, Lastly, as always, this episode is brought to you by Omnia Lacrosse, uh, the official sponsor of the Braveheart Lacrosse Show. Super excited to partner with them. Be sure to check out their website, omnialacrosse.com, where you can sign up for any upcoming training sessions. You can get in contact with our coaches. Uh, it's a great opportunity in, in Michigan and in the Midwest to play at an extremely high level. Um, and with that, here's our next episode. Welcome to the Braveheart Lacrosse Show. I'm your host, Greg Marzak. For those of you that's your first time checking in, I'm a former Division I lacrosse player, currently a um, youth and high school lacrosse coach located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, excited to share some lacrosse content with you and uh, grow the sport. Let's check out the next episode. Down. Set. Thank you, everyone, for joining my name is Greg Marzak, the host of the Braveheart Lacrosse Show. I'm so excited to introduce to you uh, uh, another Greg. Um, in case you guys don't know, this is Greg of East Coast Dies. He's the founder uh, and um, owner of the company. He uh, played at Loyola Bakefield, Elizabethtown, and in early 2011 started making his own max- waxed mesh which has grown into one of the largest equipment manufacturers in the game. A lot of you guys know it. Uh, just introduced the DNA Diamond, uh, a clear plastic version of his lacrosse lineup. So maybe we can talk about that uh, in the end or towards the end of the podcast. Um, but really excited to have you on. Thank you so much for, for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure some of the fans will be excited to hear from you. Yeah, Greg, I appreciate having me on. Uh, hopefully some people have heard of us already, but hopefully we can reach a couple of new people aren't familiar with the story or a lot of new fans don't know a lot about you know the, the founding origins of the company because they were pretty young when it started so yeah absolutely and I'm excited to share about that so um, just 
one, a couple questions to get things going. What was your first or favorite lacrosse stick? Uh, first favorite that I, is tougher. First was, it was called the SDX Sonic. They later made it into a women's stick, uh, which was unfortunate. But this was before the offset. It was came pretty strong. It was professional. I mean, I was five. Uh, born in 1989, so that puts us somewhere in the mid-90s, my first real lacrosse stick. Um, and then, since then, I was a fan of, like, that was a fan when the Blade came out, the original Evolution. Um, got a lot, I had a chance to play with a lot of those iconic, like, vintage sticks that are now, you know, 20 years old and felt pretty cool then. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm grew up, uh, I went to Brother Rice, and we had strong ties to Warrior, so uh, no disrespect, but I, I remember playing with, like, for face-offs, the original OG Blade, and, um, you know, just, just like you were saying, some of those legacy sticks that some of our more experienced uh, fans may remember, um, so it's great to hear from you. Uh, uh, one thing that I've watched, and maybe some other people would like to go find on YouTube, is you've been doing uh, your gear bag YouTube videos uh, I mean, I've been watching since like 2012, uh, you know, just you reviewing gear, what's in your bag, what are you taking to tournaments. Um, just on that, what's your favorite uniform you've ever seen, whether it's at the college or club level? Um, I know for me, I've seen the some of the alumni games, like the Johns Hopkins, where they, they'll get uniforms for the alumni team. Uh, those are pretty cool, but interested to what, what, what are your favorite? Favorite uniform I've ever seen in all of lacrosse is uh... That's a big question. Uh, college, I really liked when Syracuse rolled out the um, the neon yellow accents. Okay. Vault really started to get popular, and it yeah. didn't make sense with the orange, but it looked cool. Like it didn't work, but it did work. Um, and that sort of kicked off the Vault Revolution. Like four or five years, we followed pretty closely with ECD. And then um, there was a Hopkins throwback at one point where they did these leather color gloves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like the stickers, the decals that looked like an old bucket helmet. Oh, yeah. Um, that was, it was probably my top two college. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and then looking at high school, like they've really gotten into uh, these portable mesh throwbacks, which I love. Like Conrad all had them. Uh, Towson did, did Hopkins did it in the last two years. So that's probably my favorite jersey at the moment. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, yeah, Cuse and, you know, some of the bigger schools that roll out these uh, sort of trend-setting uniforms is always, at first, sometimes it's a little controversial. Some people don't like the sleeveless. I don't want to get into that, but it, it definitely sticks out and you remember those. Um, but thank you. Uh, so I do want to switch gears a little bit. Um, with the growth of lacrosse, and there are some challenges, of course, uh, whether at the youth level, you know, should they be playing on the 110-yard field? Should we look at, you know, trying to make that more available for kids uh, to get on the field and, you know, barriers of entry like that? What, what are your thoughts on sort of the equipment? It's no uh, secret. It's pretty expensive and obviously one of the maybe barriers of entry. What are your thoughts on that within the industry? Um, I know there's programs that do uh, donations of older equipment to whether it's inner city school. Uh, hopefully I can have on um, a representative from U.S. Lacrosse. I reached out. I don't want to mention her name, but if, if she's not interested, but just to get a perspective on that. But you obviously uh, being a titan in the industry, uh, wh what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's a litany of organizations that are looking to make it easier for kids to start, right? U.S. Lacrosse has their first stick program, which we've helped with. Uh, we donate a lot of gear to Harlem Lacrosse. 
it is expensive. It's probably the second most expensive sport, team sport to hockey, maybe because yeah. you got to pay for a ring time in hockey. But yeah. it's not like basketball where you have you already own a pair of shoes. You show up at basketball, and um, you know ten kids can play all at once. Everybody needs at least something, and the stick it's going to cost you anywhere between thirty and and a hundred bucks um, for a basic level. And the problem is field availability too. Right, they don't have lacrosse goals on that many fields. Unlike soccer, unlike baseball, unlike basketball, where that equipment to play is available everywhere. So there's a couple of things. I mean, U.S. Lacrosse has been doing a great job. Um, um, I can't remember the exact name for it, but they rolled out this development program where they were tearing down what was needed to play, right? So now you can play uh, small-sided with uh, with less equipment yeah. at a smaller field. Um, so I think they've done a good job with that where you're first getting into it, all you really need is this super beginner stick, and you don't need pads, you don't need a helmet, you don't, and then as you ramp up, you can spend a little more money. So just to find out if you like it, you don't need to spend too much, but it's still more than some other sports, which makes it tough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and obviously, I've seen different approaches in the equipment industry, you know, the warp, which we won't get into. I don't want to comment on anyone's style or what they approach, but there are, you know, the warp initially was to try to limit the stringing and challenges for entry level and then stx rolled out uh their like they remove the sidewall they have those notches where the strings just fold over the side so it's definitely uh, there's people trying to address it and obviously other uh, organizations um uh, are, are looking at getting involved whether it's from a uh, you know community development standpoint but thanks for talking on that i, I think uh, you know I, I was sort of nervous about bringing it up because obviously you, you run a business, but I think it's interesting to get your perspective on, you know, how to actually grow the sport for that, from that. I know there was also the, the, the press write-up about beginner gear at all, right? Our stuff is all high-end, focused on high school players. So we have, we have a $100 stick, which is great. Yeah. That would be like your kids starting in middle school or early high school. Um, the other issue with lacrosse is not just expense. It's also the um, learning curve for the skills, right? Yeah. Most other sports... You're playing directly with your hand, which is way easier to learn than introducing some foreign object that you then have to throw with rather than just your hand. Um, and then the stick can have an impact on how you play. If it's not strung well or isn't working well, you know, kids can get discouraged. So it's not just that it's expensive. It's also kind of hard to learn, right? You can't just be a regular old dad in the Midwest who played baseball and pick this stick up and expect to know what to do. Where picking a ball, a ball up and throwing it with your hand is pretty intuitive. Um and the rules are complex and different. So I know U.S. Lacrosse is actively working on some of these things. Like they have the Olympic Committee is talking about, like, well, it's very confusing if you watch a lacrosse game and they shoot the ball out of bounds and all of a sudden that team gets the ball back. Yep. Like nobody in any other sport is going to understand what just happened there. <laughs> um, and that's why they're working on some of those rules for Olympic adoption. Yeah. This is uh, a second uh, podcast that I've heard you know, the lacrosse at the Olympic level and international level get brought up. Um, it's really interesting. I, I have a guest, uh, Javier, with Lacrosse the Nation, um, uh, signed up to talk a little bit about more the community development and, and things like that. So thanks for speaking on that. Um, so uh, just a, a switch gears here a little bit. You know, right now I'm very, I'm, I'm extremely excited. I saw my alma mater, Detroit Mercy, release their schedule for the upcoming season. Uh, we saw Mercer, we saw some other schools start to do this, and um, not only for me, who was worried, but other you know players. 
uh, and fans just worried about their upcoming seasons. Do you have any you know comments on staying positive or any ideas for those young players who are you know trying to go through these difficult times? Um, you know, what would you say say about that to those kids? Yeah, we're patiently waiting schedules too, but I think, and we try and put out a lot of, uh, one of our mottos is hard work pays off. Yeah. I think that something kids can do to keep their mind off of it is just go outside and practice, right? Just go keep the stick in your hands, um, and whenever the time comes, you'll be ready for it, right? There's no sense in shutting down and just, you know, calling it quits or waiting to see what happens, right? You can be getting better in this time, and the further back you push the season, the better you can be by the time it starts. Um, so kids, I don't want kids to look at this as wasted time that their seasons got pushed back rather an opportunity to continue to get better and come into the season um, and have more success. So, yeah, we're, we're waiting from a fan perspective. Like, I'd love to see the college game get going. But from a company perspective, that doesn't make us any or, or very much money at all. We need high school and youth to get going from the cross industry to, to really grab up, you know, retail stores, um, companies like ourselves, manufacturers. Yeah, I'm from all standpoints. One of the reasons I started this podcast was just to give content to some kids. Like I, I coach uh, here locally in Charlotte with Team Twenty Four Seven and Ryan Flanning and, and Coach Hannon and those guys. Um, and you know whether it's on field development, which has sort of gotten shut down right now, to now you know kids just wanting to learn more about either lacrosse and opportunities with the business um, or, you know, for the future in the sport. I think that's part of the reason that I started this, to give them an idea on that. Um, another uh, area that I'm really excited to talk about is, and I know, obviously, as much as I want to do positivity and, and development for youth players, but also fans of the sport with more, with more states um, legalizing gambling, like I think lacrosse at the PLL level with that growing, that could be really exciting. So, you know, obviously uh, not too responsibly, but um, I think that's going to be helpful to grow the sport. Um, I guess transitioning a little bit, do you have any topics that, or, you know, we mentioned um, your new product lineup, the DNA Diamond. Do you have any other uh, exciting things you'd like to, you know, give a, a chance for the listeners to hear about? Yeah, we have, uh, obviously just the Diamond. Um, uh, not my words, but many of our stores told us it was the most successful head launch they've ever had, which is a, a big statement for us. You know, we've only made five heads. And so if you look at some other companies, ramp up to have successful head launches. I mean, it took Maverick 10 years. They were making heads um, when I was going into college in 2008. And just now in the last five or six years, started to make ones that have gone mainstream. We're competing against SDX. We've made heads for 50 years. So to go from our first head in 2016 or 17 to the best head release of all time in 21 is like a really steep slope. So we were really happy about that. Um, we plan to push that technology as far as it will take us. Um, so I'm, um, outside of this, I'm an engineer. I've studied computer science and computer information systems, and I work in a big uh, manufacturing industry. I know this isn't going to be the most exciting things for, you know, kids that, are, you know, may be interested in how the, the, the um, products are played, but made. But do you have any insight onto, like, are you guys using additive manufacturing and, like, 3D printing? Right now, we use 3D printing exclusively for prototyping. Um, so I have plans. We've done a little bit of content on 3D printing. Um, yeah. but basically, a head, you, know, you go to CAD, you make the model, and then we'll print one and iterate from there. We usually print anywhere between 8 and 10 
right, and you, you, you can play with them. Yeah. You can't catch, but you can throw, and you can scoop, and you can string them. Um, so we use 3D printing as manufacturing to get us to a decent idea of what we're going to have and a certain percentage level of confidence that they're worth the right design because once you cut tooling, once you yeah. go into steel, your ability to change the product is very limited and expensive and yeah. time-consuming. Yeah, to bring that. this leap you know, from the last 3D print to going into steel and the first, the bunky ones, uh, that comes off the mold to make sure that, you know, you like what you have. Yeah. And I feel bad for lacrosse companies who had to make heads before that because 10 years ago that technology was not cost-effective and so you sort of had to go from, I don't even know, you know, and I'm not even sure how they prototype them effectively. But that's probably why heads have gotten so much better in the last 10 years is you can have that iterative development process yeah that's great to bring that full circle about you know those dies um for the plastic are what really drive the cost up so high um i was fortunate i had interned and worked with warrior we got to uh, take a tour of the headquarters in in um in michigan there and to learn a little bit about the the industry side of the sport and that was cool to hear about but now obviously with you know like you're saying the the rapid prototyping of different design iterations, it's, it's, it's changing. And obviously it's not going to be an overnight change, but there are changes coming, um, not just with the quality, but you know, the way uh, products are rolled out. So sure. thank you again so much. I know you're obviously extremely busy. Um, thank you for so much for bringing, beginning on the podcast. I can send you the link. I'll add a link in the description and the bio uh, to East Coast Dyes, your website. If anyone wants to check out their product lineups, I'll even add a link to your website for some of those old school content that I think is, is still pretty cool. Um, I know you bring on some of the uniforms on there. If there's anything else you'd like to mention here, yeah, let's see. So we're going to do the gear bags this year. We used to partner with Under Armour for a lot of those schools, right? Under Armour did all the gear and yeah. the sticks and everything. We would do the mesh. Well, Under Armour has backed out of that portion, the yeah. hard goods portion. They call it hard goods and soft goods. Soft goods being what you wear, uniform socks, cleats, etc. Hard goods being pads, sticks. They've backed out of hard goods, and other manufacturers like Maverick and STX have come in. So we, I think this year we're sponsoring... Towson Navy, Jacksonville, UMBC. So I actually have some fresh gear bags this year. Um, you know, it gets a little stale, like Notre Dame and Navy and even Maryland to a certain extent. They don't change that gear from year to year very drastically. So at some point I found myself for the third year in a row just like looking at the same stuff, you know, it's just not that interesting. So we're going to change up the schools a little bit this year, maybe feature some high schools. Um, and then we also are with Under Armour backing out. We're one of the sponsors for the Under Armour All America Senior Game this year, which is the big one they broadcast on ESPN. Oh, yeah. um, so they're all going to use our stick, men's and women's, or maybe their heads and shafts, which is cool for us. Um, same thing going back to like we're relatively new and to have that level of event be a sponsor and have those level of kids playing with our stuff is pretty cool to see. It'll be fun to watch on TV. Well, I'll see it in person, I suppose, but it'll be fun for our fans to watch on TV. Yeah, I mean, just touching on, you know, you, you mentioned the growth of the company. I remember in 2017 when CNBC did the write-up on you, I was like, whoa, I watch that guy on YouTube, and now look at, he's like growing a business surrounding lacrosse. Like, that is um, super cool to watch, and, and thanks to be a part of and, and being a part of this interview just to hear from you. Hopefully, you know, people find value in this. I think I've mentioned this before. I don't know how good the kids realize they have it right now with access to social media and direct interactions with you. Like when I was growing up, which isn't that long ago, 
you were one of the, I mean, with the exception of, you know, Paul Rabel and the Gate Brothers, like, you could find content, but you had to get on, like, VHS tapes or, like, you had to really know where to look for it. And now, right. um, with, you know, that's one of the things I hopefully can contribute to is access to good lacrosse information, whether it's about recruiting or, or you know, developing your skills or just people in the industry. It's so accessible. And uh, I'm really fortunate to, you know, have you on and, and other guests uh, to get that information to kids who, you know, might be interested or just fans in general. So, Yeah, the growth of lacrosse media has been exponential. It's been great for the sport with social media and knowledge of how to string, right? That travels yeah. very quickly. And I think now there's a larger percentage of players to string their own pocket or someone else who can do it really well. So even from when I graduated college, if I look at my stick in 2010 and my stick today, it's like five, six, ten times as nice. Oh, yeah. You know, like it's so much nicer. Um, and I think that if that pace continues for the next ten years, like who knows what we'll be playing with, you know. Absolutely. Um, it's, just, it's just moving so quickly. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you again, Greg. An absolute honor and, uh, you know, almost a dream come true for me uh, to be able to talk to you and, and uh, have this. So I appreciate it. Like I said, I'll send, if you're interested, I can send you the... The, the podcast so if you want to share it if not I'll, I'll have it out there like I said everyone there'll be links in the bio to um, East Coast Eyes and, and uh, his YouTube content um, thank you again and uh, look forward to this season any uh, do you have any predictions any, any things to look out for I think Syracuse was my prediction preseason last year yeah um, it's really confusing with all these players coming back but it's going to be really easy to pick Duke uh, th- that's I wasn't gonna say anything. Save my picks. I'm ha- hopefully having a sticks and picks episode where I talk about you know just what I think and uh, but I appreciate that. I'll I'll, I'll add that in there. Um, yeah, I'm always a Maryland fan, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make Maryland my pick. But I if I had to put money on it or something, you know, uh, gun to my head, Duke seems to be the best pick right now. Well, the ACC, I would two years ago and even last year, year before I was at the Big Ten was the Power Conference. Yeah. Hello. And thanks for sticking around to the end of the episode. If you like this content and want more, please subscribe using some of the buttons around here. I don't know which platform you're listening on, but I appreciate it. Also, consider checking out our website, BraveheartLacrosseShow.com. You can uh, comment, you can send me a message, and suggest what type of content you'd like to hear. Really appreciate it from hearing from the audience, and look forward to bringing you great lacrosse content. Have a great day. Tell your parents you love them. so cool to be able to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and uh, thanks to everybody who listened. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. And I'll, like I said, have a link in the bottom. Have a great day. See you, Greg.